but about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. We're not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. Hey, everyone, and welcome once again to Safe Place for Men. All right, this is your male survivor, resiliency and leadership development coach, Thomas Edward, or Coach T, coming to you from Sacramento, California. All right, it's a nice, nice, sunny morning. Well, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a few clouds, but it's kind of a, a nice, sunny morning here. I can say maybe it's going to be sunny. I mean, it's around seven, of course, the sun's coming up kind of over the sunset there. What did I say? Sunset is sun rising right over the horizon and the sun is coming up. So, so far there's no clouds. So it's like, it's going to be actually a great, a great Thursday. All right. So hopefully everyone is doing well. Hey, I just want to shout out to everyone. And hopefully this new year is bringing with you some new things, some new ideas, some new habits. Those of you that signed up for uh, life changing habits, um, uh, seminar, webinar, uh, great. Thanks for doing that. I hope that was useful for you. I really want to give a shout out to um, those. Remember when we did the 30 days of our story and to those who actually had purchased the the book, the PDF, those 200 pages there. And um, it's just really, uh, you know, the response, I guess, that I'm getting, I'm, I'm really happy. You know, there are some people who purchased it and they're like, you know what, I don't have access to you know, therapy, I don't have access to a coach, you know, and so I'm just kind of out in this rural area and I don't know, you know, what to do. And so they purchased the book. And so when they told me that, I'm like, okay, so then let's do this. Let's see how we can actually use this book to help you. And I said, so there's 30 days, right? And you can work through it, you know, as fast or as slow as you want to. But each time that you cover a, a section, it could be a full section or half section, however much, what I want you to do is I just want you to record. I want you to record, you know, what's going on with you, you know, when you read it, when you work through the exercise, what did you learn? What did you feel? And then what I want you to do is, because you're going to do that each day that you're working, because it's days, and then at the end of seven days, I just want you to send to me what you did, right? So day one, this, day two, this, day, day three, put down whatever your thoughts and things. So, you know, there are a couple of guys that were doing that. And I was like, okay, this is, this is great. And I said, so, you know, how are you guys feeling? What's, what's going on for you? And so there was one individual, and there's more than one, but I'm just kind of, if you want to say, not really retargeting, but kind of shouting out him. And he says, man, he says, you know, I have all this stuff going on, but he says, it just feels just so much better. Now he's like, just a little bit more better. He says, I actually have some hope because he says, I feel like I have someone that I can really talk to this about, even though I'm just typing it and sending it to you and you're just reading it. And he says, it's doing so much. He's like, in my heart and in my mind to actually help me to work through it. Woo. All right. Yes, that's what we want. Because remember when we talked about healing, the best type of healing happens not in isolation, but it happens in relationship. And I am a strong proponent of that and you hear everyone that I coach <laughs> that they'll tell you that same thing. Oh yeah, that's Coach T's philosophy, right? That healing takes place 
in relationship, not in isolation. So um, thank you for doing that. And then thank you for those that actually, you know, uh, purchased it. Because some of you guys, what you did, you, you purchased it because you know that everything that whatever you purchased here just goes right back, if you want to say, into the pot or into the the fund to, to help other survivors. Because sometimes, you know, survivors, they want to take the, you know, um, the courses, the e-courses or something, but they just don't have uh, the funds, whatever, to do it. So some of you guys actually pay it forward. You're like, hey, if someone comes through and they need to take the course, maybe they don't have the funds and stuff, hey, put this over and set it aside, whatever, for them. Of course, we do that. We vet and do all those different type of things, but then we open it up for them. And so I'm so thankful for the opportunity to do that. So um, shout out, shout out to my peeps out there that continue to pay it forward. All right. So of course, last Thursday, I wasn't with you guys because I was doing some, some different things here. Um, So I was asked to kind of speak, you know, now, of course, when we do conferences, they're becoming like virtual conferences, right? Because of COVID. And so I was, uh, asked to kind of give a little present presentation. I think it was like 30, 40 minutes. Cause one of the things of course that I deal with when I'm working with clients is uh, limiting beliefs. And so I talked a little bit about limiting beliefs and talked about the neuroscience and how that fits into that. You guys know what happens when you say the word neuroscience, right? Of course my brain goes bing. Right. And, um, and I think that's because, I mean, I've always, like to know, you know, what makes me tick and uh, what makes us tick in our brain. But I think also, of course, many of you know part of my story uh, and how, of course, how I got my my nickname. Um, But you know that in 2007, uh, as I was walking across the street, I was run over by a car. So that left me with TBI, which, of course, is traumatic brain injury. And so it took me about five years and I can't say fully recover, but it took me about five years. I'm going to say to get back to a functional. And so um, one of my, I guess one of my goals was to really understand what was going on inside of my brain. Right. And so then that's when I really just started diving into the neuroscience so I could understand what was going on, you know, with habits and triggers and fears and all those different type of things. So one that, of course, I could deal with, you know, what was going on with me. But then when I started, you know, working, like I said, and coaching other guys, I could actually help them accelerate by actually using the neuroscience in the coaching. Right. And that's what we that's what I do. So that's one of the reasons I love neuroscience. So, I, you know, I said, well, man, what can I talk about today? Well, I said, well, since I just did, you know, uh, kind of a little, if you want to say conference on the uh, limiting beliefs, why don't I just do a little bit and talk about that today? Now, I'm not going to talk about Force All 7 because that would take us into a whole, <laughs> you had to be here for about 90 minutes, whatever, or, or more. Uh, but I'm just going to give you just a, a little shout out. And then first of all, this is what I want you to imagine because um, I was working with a client. And this was actually when I was uh, in Seattle. And uh, this client actually lived in California. And this client, he was a, he was a stuntman. Right. So he's the he was living in L.A. and he's the type of person, of course, when uh, in the movies, when the cars are exploding or the chase is one over the motorcycle, he's the one. Right. So he's the double who does all the very dangerous stuff. So when he asked me to, to work with him, he's like, Coach T, man, he's like, 
I think I need some of your help. And I was like, well, what's what's going on? And uh, he says, well, you know, I'm a stuntman, of course, by trade. And, you know, so danger for me, you know, I don't really think that much, you know, about, about danger. And um, he says, but for some reason, he's like, when I'm at home with the wife, around the kids and stuff, and someone just talks about going to a certain area. And for him, it was the basement. He's like, man, he's like, I just I start sweating. I started getting nervous and I start feeling like I'm in, I'm in danger. And he's like, it just doesn't make, he says, any rational or logical sense. And so, of course, you know, I started you know, coaching and working with him. And, of course, we discovered that there was in his past, of course, some uh, childhood sexual abuse that had t- taken place. So think about this, though. So he's, he's functioning. He's doing all this different type of stuff. And so if you were to just look at him, you would say, oh, man, there's, there's nothing wrong. You know, whatever happened in his past, it must not have been that bad because look at how, how he's functioning. That's why we call those high-functioning survivors. But here's something else I want us to, to think about when we're talking about uh, the limiting beliefs. All right. And so this is where when we talk about this, what happens is we're going to drop into a different mode here. And you guys know what that mode is, right? Consider this your wake-up call. Boom! What was that? Me dropping some knowledge on you. All right, so this is where we get ready to drop some some knowledge on when we're talking about um, our limiting beliefs. You know, it's interesting when we look at neuroscience, and I'm just so excited, you know, with the tools and things that we have these days because now we have advanced methods of doing brain imaging, so we have stuff like... um, uh, fMRIs. If you guys don't know what that is, that's just functional magnetic resonating imaging, right? So if you've ever been in the uh, MRI machine, you know you you lay there and do 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 hit. Okay, so there's different ones, but there's ones that are known as functioning magnetic resonating images. And I would say in the past, maybe what two two decades, twenty years, it's just been astonishing of our ability to actually peer into the brain and see the actual physical working that's going on in the brain. I'm going to say in real time, right? So that's really been cool because oftentimes what we used to believe was, um, I'm going to say that the processes, even of like cell division that was going on in the brain or in new brains, which is what we call neurogenesis. We used to think that, you know, Oh, you know, um, your, I'm going to say your synapses, your dendrites, those different type of things that they didn't grow after a certain period of time. So first it used to be, you know, uh, infancy. Okay, once you got that many brain cells or whatever, that's it. And then they kind of moved up to adolescence. Okay, after adolescence, there's no way you're going to get any more, right? And then we would talk, of course, about, well, but if that's true, how do we account for this whole idea uh, the process of neuroplasticity, okay, which just simply means the brain's ability to change and um, to, to change the shape, actually, and structure of the pathways in response to the experiences that we actually have. And it hasn't been until I say, I can say the past two decades, the past 20 years, that show us, okay, when we use these tools, that neurogenesis, okay, so those, the generation of those new if you want to say cells and stuff, and the neuroplasticity that actually they actually continue throughout human life. So no matter what your age is, your brain is perfectly capable of creating entirely new neural pathways. 
Wow, which is really cool. I remember, because I remember for such a long time, people used to, oh, you know, you, you damage all your cells and you can't, there's no way they can be regenerated and stuff. And I'm like, wow, but, you know, but your blood cells and stuff are being replaced after so many times. How? Why is it that your brain doesn't do that? Well, now we know that your brain actually um, does do that. Okay, so when we think about that, so the growth of the neural, uh, the new synapses, the new neural networks, what it means that the brain can actually change its wiring in response, of course, to the information. And that's really, really important. Now, here's the thing, though. Okay, so with my friend and we were talking about the, the stuntman. Here's the thing, though, that we need to understand. And that is that I'm going to say the most powerful and emotionally charged that the information is or you know, I'm going to say even the more traumatic experience, it's going to have a significant development, of course, in our neural connections, okay? So I don't think I've actually talked about the, the guitar string example, but maybe I'm, let's talk about it from a, um, okay, so we just have flooding and stuff around here. I think this will be a good picture. So I want you to picture kind of a, a mountaintop, and I want you to picture all that rain that we had a couple of weeks ago. So the rain hits the, the mountain top. Now, as the rain kind of runs down the mountainside, you're going to have little, you know, I'm going to say rivulets, little valleys that are going to be forged, little pathways. You know, they're going to be coming through. The rain's going to be going through the pine needles, the, the little rocks and stuff that are scattered on the ground. But now I want you to think that we're starting to get, I'm going to say, consistent rain. So every time that it rains and the water runs down the hill, it starts carving out even more, let's just say these networks or these pathways. And so they start getting a little bit deeper each time. And then eventually, of course, they get bigger and bigger, let's just say maybe to the um, size of streams or maybe to the size of a, a little river or something. So it's forming these little gullies that are going deeper and deeper each time as the rain comes down, of course, that mountain. So now I want you to think about it from this. Okay, so from our guy, our stunt guy, what was going on for him. So every time that he had, let's just say, some type of similar emotional or psychological response, okay, or we can even say overbearing behavior, you know, so for him, he would say that, you know, some of the things that happened for him during his abuse, there'd be yelling, there'd be beatings, whatever, but there would be this distinct, I'm going to say, pattern, pattern of nerve firings, okay, and so what happens is those nerve firings, because it's happening all the time, that they're amplified, and so what happens is that pattern now corresponds to a belief. So a belief is created, and that belief is that I am in danger. Okay, and so the place where this happened, the place where it took place, in his mind, the belief, and even though, you know, he said he hadn't remembered, of course, until we started working on it, but the belief had become, the rain that came down the mountain, you know, had created these valleys, these gullies that corresponded with the belief that 
I am in danger. So here he is a stuntman jumping off of buildings, you know, jumping out of airplanes, you know, riding motorcycles, you know, exploding bombs and stuff and not thinking anything about danger because for him, that was considered his office. Okay. He knew his skills. He knew his training. So he felt safe in the office. But when it came to the specific place in the home, which was, you know, or anyone's home or basement, which was for him, then because of those distinct patterns during the abuse that had been created, those nerve firings were amplified and they corresponded to the belief that anytime he heard that word, he would think that I am in danger. Okay. So that became, if you want to call it a limiting belief for him. And so uh, it's kind of like um, in neuroscience, we call it the synapses that fire together, wire together. Okay. And so that's what was going on for him. So in the same way, our, I'm going to say our synaptic networks, they, they shift and they grow in different directions from our, I'm going to say, most emotionally charged thoughts and experiences. This is actually how we form beliefs. And so we literally, we grow them. Okay. Did you guys get that? We actually grow them. And that's one of the reasons you guys, you've noticed when you're working with me, one of the things I'll say when we're talking about, you know, dysfunctional habits, defensive coping mechanisms, and all the things that we have, that actually they're learned responses. Okay. And the neuroscientist keeps pointing to that more and more over and over and, and over. And so the great thing about that is, is that if we understand, like we said, the chemistry, the, the, the different, you know, neuroscience and stuff, we can deal with those issues, okay? So we can deal with that if we understand. All right, so these beliefs are these patterns or these thoughts. So I want you to think about, you know, the water that's coming down the, the mountain, creating the gulches, creating the valleys, this neural pathway. Those are the things that become beliefs, okay, because they become so entrenched become so deep. So those beliefs are, are patterns. They're so ingrained, I'm going to say, in our neural networks that they just become automatic. Okay. So like entrenched habits of, of thinking. And so they're the bedrock of our psychological architecture. Okay. And that's where, when we talk about those patterns, those patterns come into the area of self-limiting beliefs. Now I'm going to say from, um, my perspective and just working with individuals and stuff that um, there are about seven that most of them fall into. And I even want you to, to think about this, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, working with the emotional part, whatever of your uh, abuse and stuff, do you have limiting beliefs in these areas? Right. So the seven common. So one, and which is what he had, I am not safe. Okay, so that was one. And you can have more than one. Okay, and most of us, especially if we're dealing with CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, after the sexual abuse, many of us have, uh, well, actually, I know that I had all seven when I started working through stuff. Okay, but the first one, of course, is I'm not safe. So that's uh, the first, we're going to say, self-limiting belief. The next one is I am worthless. Okay, I am worthless. In other words, I have no, no value. Uh, number three, I am powerless, right? So there's nothing I can do. And it was interesting, you know, when I was working with him, that was another one that he had. So, you know, it was that I'm not safe, 
of course, especially when we mentioned that word, but then also that, man, I'm just powerless. I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't do anything with this. I don't, you know, I just have to live like this, you know, the rest of my life, there's nothing that I can do. Okay. So that was one of the limiting beliefs. Uh, I'm not lovable. Okay. So that's one of the seven self-limiting beliefs. Here's a big one. I cannot trust anyone. Okay. I've shared with you guys so many uh, about my issues when I was working through stuff, and that was a big one for me. And it was one of the reasons I was one of those, uh, if you want to call it, alpha micromanaging people, right? Because I couldn't trust anyone. So I had to do everything myself. Well, I didn't have to, but I was doing everything myself because I didn't trust anyone to get the job done the way that I wanted it to be done, right? Which, of course, went into the whole control thing. And that's a, that's another one anyway. All right. So we got that. I cannot trust anyone. Um, I am bad. Okay. So this goes more to who I am, the essence of who I am. And this is where the whole shame and guilt, of course, come into play when we're talking about the limiting beliefs. And then number seven, I am alone. Okay, and that's a big one, of course, that many times um, we as survivors that we are faced with, that we are dealing with when we're talking about those beliefs. So when we think about the story, so when I share with you about the, the client that, you know, that I was working with, it was interesting because when we first, you know, started this, his thoughts were, you know, because I always say when we're working and we're doing this thing, kind of the first step, you know, you know, was there kind of anything in, you know, in the past that you feel that you can pinpoint this, this, if you want to say this fear, this limiting belief to, and he was like, no, you know, but I really can't, really can't think of, think of that. But as he started to really think about it, he's like, well, you know, I don't know if this is really relevant. And that's really interesting. When I hear someone say that, I really peek up in my interest because usually what they say after that is actually one of the things or one of the issues. It's just that, you know, we think, well, well, that couldn't be that. It's just ins- insignificant, right? And so, but for him, it definitely was. And so when we think about those, like we said, for him, uh, it was, I'm not safe. Now, this is the thing I want you to, to think about. When um, when we, I'm going to say emerge or we come out of the womb, we're kind of born into a world of, I'm going to say, new sights, new sounds, of course, dangers and opportunities. Okay, this is, but one of our first priorities that we learn, of course, is to keep ourselves safe. So I'm going to say self-preservation, um, the urge to protect ourselves, our, our safety, survival, is probably going to be the, the strongest instinctual drive, you know, especially, you know, as kids, when we, when we come out. And so that impulse starts, I'm going to say the most basic um, physiological, um, yeah, the physiological things that are going on in, in our, our body. So it extends to our emotional lives. It um, extends to the sense of identity, who we are. Okay. And of course, and as we become adults, and as for many of us, especially those of us, we have children of our own, that impulse of preservation, of course, extends. It extends to our family and those that we love. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing for my friend that we were working with. Because he, he couldn't figure out, he's like, you know, why should this really be such a big issue? Why, 
when I feel that I'm not safe. And, you know, he's like, look at what I do for my day job. And so I said, look, here's the deal. Whether this threat, okay, to survival is literally true or it's only our perception, it makes no difference in all the terms of impact that the experience has on us. And that is the power of the brain. And that's why so many times when we're dealing with these things, you can say, yeah, from a logical perspective, I know it doesn't make sense. It's not happening to me now, but actually in the brain, that's the thing about the brain. It can take us right to that moment and point in time. And even if we don't know what it is, we start feeling those same experiences that we felt before. And so here's the thing. Our brain is so, I'm going to say, wonderfully made. And so my friend, you know, even though he was, he couldn't figure out why he was feeling unsafe. I'm, I'm, I'm not safe. Well, oftentimes when we think about it, it's like, well, maybe, well, maybe it was, it was, you know, forgotten or something like that. But here's the thing when we think about our brain, it's not that we actually literally forget stuff. Okay. Especially when we're talking about the abuses, pieces of it, nuances of it. But oftentimes we know or we knew what happened. But for years, we have simply avoided thinking about them. Okay. So now what I want you to think about is that mountaintop that we had, that we have those deep entrenched gullies, okay, from the rain coming down, those neural pathways. So then what we do is we avoid thinking about them. So we just kind of superficially throw some leaves on top of, let's just say, those rivets, okay, those little gullies. We put something over the surface so, so we, don't, we don't see them, so we avoid, okay. But here's the thing. When the rain comes or something triggers it, it just simply washes that little straw, those little leaves away, And those deep gullies that have been there are still there. And what happens is when we run into those, then we start, once again, exacerbating them or living them through those limiting beliefs. Okay? So stuff like, you know, I can't protect myself. I'm in danger. Everything around me is dangerous. There is no safe place for me. Of course, there is that safe place for men. I'm vulnerable, Uh, it's not okay to show my emotions, whatever, I've been abandoned. And all those fit into that little, just that one. Now, there's seven of these, right? When we talk about just that one limiting belief of I am not safe. Woo, oh my goodness, guys, that was, well, actually it wasn't a lot, but (laughs) when I think about the talk that I gave uh, last week, but man, there's just so much underneath. And I guess that's the reason I, I get excited, of course, when I'm talking about these different type of things, especially when I have the opportunity to help people as we're working through them. And that's really important to then give them that knowledge so they can understand. And then as they stand, hopefully that can help them to progress faster. All right, guys, that is a wrap for today here at Safe Place for Men. All right, so remember, go up to the website, you know, take a look and see if there's anything up there. 
uh, that might help you. Feel free, you know, if you want to purchase the the e-course on um, defining your abuse to find your recovery, feel free to do that because remember it comes with uh, four weeks of coaching sessions. So each uh, week we meet kind of a group coaching. You know, you go through the first week's uh, work and then we meet and we talk about it, discuss it, those different type of things. Then week two, week three, and then, you know, week four. And um, I kind of added the coaching in for free. So because <laughs> I just thought, hey, you know, if you're going to go through this stuff, it'd probably be better if you had someone there who can, you know, talk with you a little bit about it as some of the things are coming up for you. So feel free to, to do that if you want to, whatever resources that are there. Feel free to send in those questions that you um, that you have about anything. And uh, just thank you so much for the opportunity, I'm going to say from my perspective, to even speak with you and to share these things and to know that you guys are listening because the downloads are continuing to increase, which is awesome, which is wonderful. All right, guys, until our next podcast, all right, remember, you are not alone. Remember, you are loved. All right, so I hit two of our self-beliefs. And remember that there is a safe place. <laughs>